Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Good morning. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is dipetro.com. It's Thursday. It is December 15th. And this uh, this situation, now we're going to talk with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, but th- this situation that, well, there's several things. First of all, this is ludicrous. that The judge has cleared the way. Now it is the Rhode Island law banning these large capacity gun magazines taking effect. So I, I, I find this is, of all the things they could be focusing on, and this is where they decide to be an outlier, as other states obviously don't have this. Um, I want to commend, uh, the uh, obviously, the Second Amendment community trying to at least get a temporary restraining order. This whole business of the large-capacity gun magazines, for crying out loud, I mean... In all the other states, it is absolutely legal. This is what becomes the priority in this state. It is that's where Governor McKee, he's a very progressive leader. The wokeness takes over. It's wrong to do this to the two-way community. But the other element, well, there's several stories. How about Congressman Langevin's final floor speech in Congress? Has anyone served and achieved less than Congressman Jim Langevin, Gentleman Jim? But the story I'm talking about, Rhode Island National Guard members are now going to staff the Cranston Street Armory 24-7 as a warming center. This is abuse of power. This is complete failure by the McKee administration. The National Guard should be brought out in emergency. The men and women of the National Guard, without complaint, sign up and are called out and used in case of an emergency. This, this is nine people that want a nurse made for them at the Cranston Street Army because the McKee people had no idea what they were talking about when they made promises to these individuals. This business now, folks, Rhode Island 2022, where you just raise your hand and say, I am homeless, therefore, I want to be waited on, I want a place to sleep, I want you to feed me, I want you to clothe me, you have to drive me around, you have to get me medical attention if I want it, where, where, where is this come? What? Where is this coming from? So now it has to be staffed by the National Guard. This, this is ridiculous. You have all these homeless advocates and agencies. Why don't they staff it? Why don't volunteers do it? For Governor McKee to be authorizing 50 members of the National Guard 
50 members of the National Guard are going to be in there. All right, who needs a blanket? Oh, do you need some more coffee? Can I get you some? What would you like for lunch? Oh, okay. You want a BLT? Do you want that toasted, non-toasted? Making them breakfast, getting them coffee, blankets. Do you understand these are able-bodied individuals who don't work? The bottom line of this whole equation, and I recognize the progressive left and a lot of the home, they don't like that I bring that up. That so much of this stems from what? From people who are not working. How many people right now on this Thursday, you run a business? You need workers. Hey, listen, I didn't say they're glamorous jobs, but they pay. There were people willing to pay someone for a full day's work. So much of this group. See, and I, I believe the McKee people have failed in several ways. One of the ways is, and I'm not saying the media has been easy, but there has to be different categories of who is it that falls under this big umbrella of homeless. As we've talked about, you do have people that have a drinking problem. Those people obviously need help. There are people that have a substance abuse problem. Clearly, they need help. And because of the Rhode Island laws, many of those people are trying to manage their, their uh, substance abuse problem. You do have people that something happens. The next thing you know, they have nowhere to go. They don't have family. They're out on the street. It's tragic. But then you also have a class and group of individuals who choose not to work. And if you don't work, you don't have money for rent. You don't have money for whatever. Some people through their own behavior. Now, I've come across interviewed people know about this. They develop some kind of a problem. They start stealing from their family. The reason they can't stay with the family is the family threw them out. And then you just have those people who merrily just want to kind of roll along. Being homeless in Rhode Island, June, July, August, September, seems kind of nice. Problem is, wintertime comes along. Now it's not so fun. That's one of the problems. But to be using the National Guard for that, the, the fact of 50 of them, by the way, 50, this is so unacceptable. And I get like all these state buildings and everything. It's also, it's, it's kind of their seasonal homeless because many of them do now choose to live outside. They make do. I, I spoke with some of them at the state house the other day. They, in, uh, it doesn't sound glamorous, but in the warmer months, they live in a tent. They find places where they can pinch the tent or they were living in an abandoned warehouse. They built like an apartment there. But they don't work. And that's a big part of the problem. When they're not working and you are, quote, unhoused, every little thing becomes a big challenge. And it's also, listen, they're not like the healthiest individuals. They smoke. Some of them drink, take drugs. Certainly be tired. Diet's not great. I mean, they are eating, but it's not like the healthiest type of lifestyle. But the National Guard, that's the solution to call out our National Guard. Is it a hurricane? No. Is it a blizzard? No. Is it a flood? No. Is it some kind of social unrest? No. What are, we, what are they calling out the National Guard for? Because there's nine people in tents at the Rhode Island State House. I mean, this is a joke. And this thing is not going away either. All right. A lot more ahead. Attorney Tim Dodd joins us. Keep it right here on the John DeVitro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, 
help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401 434 1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is depetro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Join And Tim, uh, we did talk about this last week uh, regarding this homeless encampment at the Rhode Island State House. The McKee, last time we spoke, they issued notices saying that starting on Friday, they had 48-hour notice. They would no longer be allowed to be there. On morning, Judge Cruz, I believe, um, gave them a halt. And here it is, basically a week later, they have been in court. It's postponed again until Friday. And what what there's different elements of this, including the ACLU angle that is now entered into a Tim Dodd. But let's just start off with the basic uh, statement of, I think it was uh, the attorney that was representing these individuals saying, hey, it's the people's house and these people don't have the right to evict them. There's some different pieces of this, but where do where do you think we we stand right now with this, Tim Dodd? Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure where we stand. I mean, it's become yeah. quite. I mean, I understand the McKee people didn't want to move these folks out during an election cycle. He let this get way ahead of him, and now yeah. it's a festering mess. Um, you're right. Uh, the judge hearing the case on Wednesday. Um, I think put it over to Friday to give the t- uh, parties more time to try to come up with a solution. I mean, I think the judge smartly is looking for an off ramp to get a settlement and not have to really make um, rulings on issues of law, such as the rights of these folks to um, occupy the state house property. Um, I think everyone's looking for a solution. The McKee people don't seem to have the beds or the warming stations to accommodate all the people that uh, need assistance. And some of the individuals and groups that support these individuals are looking for them to stay at the state house to continue camping out and to make a political statement about all this. Um, the, there's so many little interesting facets to this, John. The ACLU takes the position that this is not so much an eviction issue, that it's a free speech issue. 
and that these folks are occupying and camping out on the state house grounds as a political statement and that they are exercising their first amendment freedom of expression camping there in protest of the fact that the state does not have <clears throat> enough um, um, rooms for them or uh, shelter shelters beds. shelter yeah. beds or no i mean i think they're looking for hotel rooms with uh, yes. you know yep. free hbo and yeah. you know all of the accoutrements and i don't say that cynically but there, i think that there's a lot of public support and goodwill for these homeless individuals but when the demands are, well, you've got to give us food, you've got to give us a hotel room, you've got to, got to, got to, we want, 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 you've got to do this. I, I think they lose a lot of people who would otherwise support them along the way. I could be wrong about that, but um, how big is the ask? How large will the ask get? When does the ask ever get satisfied? Uh, I'm not sure. So we've got a free speech issue which I think if I was the judge, I'd be looking for an off-ramp because a simple eviction based upon some local ordinance that you can't camp out on the statehouse grounds, if that ordinance actually exists, it should be fairly straightforward. But the freedom of expression and the right to protest angle really muddies the waters and I think really um, puts the McKee administration in a quandary. The only thing is, if John, if it was ever determined, okay, they can stay there and they can um, camp out and they can protest because they're making a political statement. I, I can see that concept bleeding into all sorts of areas of society where yep. somebody is going to say, well, I, I, it's probably not a great example, but you're the landlord and your tenant says, I'm not paying you the rent because it's a political statement, and I'm going to sure. sit on the I'm going to sit on the front steps with a sign saying, you know, housing is a human right and it should be free, and that's my political statement, and I'm morally opposed to paying you rent, and you can't evict me because this is a political statement, and I am exercising my right to free speech and free expression. It may not be the perfect example, but I can see if the courts recognize that these folks who are camping out have this constitutional right. And it's, I think, a bit of a stretch to try to make it into a free First Amendment um, constitutional argument versus a trespass argument uh, versus it's really not an eviction because they don't have any right to be there in the first place. They're not squatters. Right. They're not squatters because they're not inhabiting an abandoned building. They're in sort of an odd classification. It, it seems to me they're trespassers in, in plain and simple. Right. But I, I think the other really kind of surprising, perhaps, um, element of this is McKee comes up with this plan, 48 hours, we're moving you out, we'll give you storage for your stuff. And now there's a legal proceedings. So he reaches out to the attorney general and they say, Peter Naruna says, I'm not going to defend you on this, governor. Yeah. If, now, his theory is, well, governor, you didn't come to me in the first instance to get my legal advice, and now you've stepped in it. So I'm not going to yeah. give you representation. 
that's not the way it usually works. Typically, right. somebody comes to a lawyer saying, uh-oh, I've stepped in it. I need help getting out of this. If the yes. standard was, if you step in it before you get my advice, I'm not going to help you. Um, that seems totally counterintuitive. Now, I'm sure Peter Narona does not want to get involved in this potentially constitutional argument and right. take, a, take the side against these um, homeless folks. But I think his legal reasoning for not defending the state of Rhode Island and the governor's office, um, I was astonished that that's the position that he took and he made that position public. Yes. And, and what does that tell us, Tim Dodd? I mean, that it's, it's highly unusual. I think that's one of the more unusual elements of, of the case that the attorney general that in the past, uh, they certainly they, they would just be mum and maybe not say anything, but the being vocal, it almost leads me to believe that they recognize maybe some of the, the political ramifications of this whole story. Well, you get the ACLU involved, you've got private yep. groups involved, you've got the Center for Justice involved. You know, you've got a lot of social activist organizations lining up against the McKee administration. Yeah. Legal, legally, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Politically, yep. it's a hot potato. Yes. So, you know, for any politician, I'm sure they want to stay as far away from this as they can. Um, there's no good side to be on here. I guess, you know, public sentiment and um, the media is going to be sympathetic to the, the homeless folks. Um, I'm not sure how many people are going to side with the more hardline approach that the McKee administration is attempting to take here. I think the judge is smart to try to put this off, put this off, and hopefully broker some sort of settlement that satisfies the interests of everybody without making rulings of law, which could have future implications down the road. Now, Tim Dodd, late today, uh, late Wednesday, I should say, Governor McKee, he announced that he's, he's going to have the National Guard who are going to basically operate this Cranston Street Armory. And the judge did say that he didn't want any new tents going up at the state house. I believe the McKee people are trying to say, listen, they may have 30 tents. You don't have 30 people in those tents. Some of those tents are just there as almost like a prop, so to speak. But they seem to be, the McKee people seem to think, I believe that if they can prove there is room for the people at the state house to say, go to this whatever warming center at the Cranston Street Armory, could that maybe be the off-ramp for the judge? But, but Tim Dodd, the thing about that that kind of mucks it up a little bit is if this is a free speech issue, then I, I don't know if it would matter if there were enough beds, whether or not there are at the shelter. If someone's saying I'm protesting over the, you know, the amount, the lack of affordable housing, the lack of shelter beds, then I, I don't know if that's enough to satisfy them as far as their whether or not they have the right to protest by camping out. I think you're right, John. I think if the judge said, well, we found sufficient beds, we found sufficient warming shelters, now there's room for all of you folks to get off of the state house lawn or the state house steps, I should say, and yeah. go to these shelters. Some of these folks are going to say, not so fast. I don't want right. to go. And 
you know, the ACLU is now involved, and I believe the attorney handling it for the ACLU is Lynette Labinger, who is yes. a really, really good lawyer. She's a tiger. She is yeah. a tiger. And um, if she gets a hold of this case, I don't think she will be satisfied with saying, okay, we found enough beds for these folks when it's cold. Uh, see you later. Let's end this case. It's, I don't think it's going to go that way at all. I think no. that the ACLU thinks they've found an opening to make a point and to yep. create some law um, which would be favorable to you know the homeless folks in Rhode Island, and it could be law that has implications down the line. One of the cases that was certainly discussed, um, I believe it was out of Idaho, there was like a four-year legal battle of the same nature between the governor or some political subdivision and advocates for the homeless who went through the same exercise in a four-year court fight, which wow. ultimately, ultimately ended in, I think, the state of um, Idaho contributing, I don't know, millions of dollars to come up with new strategies for dealing with the homeless. But this case could have legs, and it could yeah. last for a long time. Yep. Um, it's not going to go away when the weather gets warm. No. And Tim, Dodd, before we take the break, though, um, I also want to point out to people, and you can, uh, you've kind of hinted at it, but what the ACLU, what people need to understand, is they don't, they don't take every case. Uh, the fact she's on it, they, there's, they're definitely intrigued by it. And Tim Dodd, I wonder that this could end up being like, you know, the, that was, you know, the manger case of whether or not there should be the manger scene at City Hall. And this, I think, they see far more reaching. Uh, possibilities with this of whether or not like this goes above and beyond a couple of people on Smith Street that say I, I don't want to go to one of your shelters I, I, you're absolutely right I think that the ACLU would like to make some law on this and yeah. I think they they think right now they've got a tiger by the tail and yeah. uh, they can um, score some points for the position that they advocate for. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's AtMed Urgent Care. When you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident... Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. AtMed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. 
We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. You know, Tim, we've been hearing rumblings now. There were these, uh, it's like a house of young people that were living in the Bahamas. Uh, the lead guy was suddenly young kid. They sponsored the stadium where the Miami Heat basketball team plays. They were making a fortune with cryptocurrency during the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, all these people are doing ads. And um, boy, Tim Dodd, we, I don't think we've seen anything like this uh, in quite some time. Of boy, they have really lowered the boom regarding this cryptocurrency scandal. Yes, uh, I don't think we've seen anything quite like it since the Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff, um, es right. es his whole episode. But the young man who was running this cryptocurrency um, operation, Sam. Uh, Bankman Freed yep. seemed like a bright guy. His yeah. parents, are, his parents, both teach at uh, Stanford Law School, so you know they're, I would presume, pretty sharp people. The kid yeah. is obviously sharp. He gets into crypto, and suddenly, it it's like Bernie Madoff. I was, hey, if you invest with Bernie Madoff, you're going to make twenty five percent on your money every year, and. Yep. You know, everyone's got a little larceny in them and they think they can get ahead, you know, um, even if it's not quite the right way to be doing things, they invest and they all get screwed in the end. The same thing is happening here. Now, this guy is being held in the Bahamas, uh, allegedly to be extradited to the U.S. like in February. He is charged with multiple counts of securities fraud a wire fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and a bunch of other counts. If he went to trial and was found guilty on all of the counts that right now they've got, and there'll probably be more when they get into more discovery, you know, he could be in jail for decades, literally. Wow. Now, he was a big contributor to a lot of politicians, Yep. There's a certain theory that, you know, we, we, we see how the deep state can operate and one wonders if strings will be pulled to help um, get him out of some of the jackpot that he's in. That, that remains to be seen. It is very curious that um, the day that he was scheduled to testify remotely before Congress, he gets arrested. So... I'm sure there are forces out there who don't want him to come out and start testifying about who he gave money to politically, how much right. he gave to them, what he expected in return, what were the nature of the discussions. Um, you know, he's a guy that should also take out a newspaper ad saying, I am not suicidal. I am in perfectly good mental health. Yes, I have no, that's right. I have no interest in doing any harm to myself because yeah. he, he is right now in a jail in yeah. the Bahamas, yeah. and there's a lot of people who he could either harm or embarrass who had yeah. previously been the beneficiaries of very extravagant political contributions and other contributions, like paying for the naming of um, the arena where the Miami Heat played. He was spreading money around like crazy. Yeah. Which, which creates the bandwagon effect. Yes. Everyone wants to get in on this. Yep. Uh, one other question that keeps coming up with this guy and with this whole collapse of this crypto business, 
what becomes of people who were doing TV spots and right. promoting it like Tom Brady and others? Yeah. You know, if Tom Brady's investing and getting great returns and is not aware of the fact that this is essentially a Ponzi scheme, well, was he swindled like everyone else and did he lose his money like everyone else? The question will be, what did Tom know and when did he know it you know, in relation to when he was doing these ads? Was he as blind as everybody else? Or you know, were business people saying, this thing is as shaky as can be, but you know, you're in early so you can make some money and we gotta get out before this thing collapses because it looks like a Ponzi scheme. Well, if he had some inside information that this was all a big hoax and a big fraud, and he's out there advertising, encouraging people to get in, he could have some political exposure. But, oh. you know, all of that remains to be seen. I mean, there was a time that any number of Hollywood types and other wealthy folks would have been more than happy to sing the praises of Bernie Madoff, what a great That's job right. he was doing. Because early yeah. on, that was the illusion that he created. That was the veneer. It looked good until it collapsed. Tim Dodd, as far as this, it sounds like we're learning more. Um, th this isn't a matter of, hey, you made a bad investment, and I don't know what to tell you. You know, We made a bad investment, we took some losses. Th this sounds, the more we learn about uh, crypto and FTI, how it was run, it, it sounds that that they were, they were, they were actually it was not safe. It was not as regulated as some people maybe thought it was. And that these people, especially this guy, he they exploited this in and able to just enrich themselves. I'm hearing it sounds like in the very beginning it was it was almost laid out to be a Ponzi scheme. Yes, and you know that that circles back to the whole um lack of any governmental regulation in, in yeah. the crypto space. So you know this is going to result in crypto getting regulated. And I think yep. the government's been waiting for a way to get their hands on control of crypto because it's been largely something outside of the government's control. I mean, yep. when, if you'll remember when crypto first came out, you could buy crypto for X sell it for Y, make a big profit. There was no paper trail. So right. I think it's only a few only a few years ago did the IRS start putting into your tax forms, have you made any earnings from investing in cryptocurrency? And wow. now you now you're supposed to disclose if you've made money. But years yep. ago, you could have made money and there was no way to track it. So I mean oh. if you're honest, you would disclose it. And if you were a little less than perfectly honest and you didn't disclose it, it was unlikely anyone would figure it out. So the government doesn't like to get beat out of tax dollars and they're aching to regulate crypto. So this yeah. is going to create that opening. Tim Dodd, before we take a break, do you think, is it possible, I was just saw, I saw a story of the Boston Globe, there's someone in Connecticut, I think he was a patriot, he might have been a season ticket holder, if not just a fan. and. He invested 35000 Obviously, the money's gone. And he's joining a class action suit saying, you know, Tom Brady, he, I, I invested because I saw Tom Brady advertising this. Are they, is, is that just, you know, I, I know anyone can bring a lawsuit against anyone, but is, is it possible that some of these people may see money or be whole 
from this type of lawsuit? It depends at the time Tom Brady was okay. promoting this. What did he know? <laughs> Excuse me. What did he know? Was he in the dark about yep. the instability and the lack of financial controls with this company? Was he as bamboozled by this guy as everybody else? Or yeah. did he know that the whole business stunk and it was doomed to collapse? They're going to have to prove that when he was promoting this thing, he knew or reasonably should have known that it was, you know, not a business built on solid ground. Right. Um, that's going to be hard to prove. Because yeah. I'm sure he's got people telling him, invest in this, invest in that. I'm sure he's getting promoted to invest in things and advertise for things and put his money in things around the clock. Right. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. <coughs> Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today. 401 739 1322 free consultation 401 739 1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401 739 1322 we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim dodd tim um it, it's interesting to me anyhow just the trail of the case you and i way back when started talking about this boston globe reporter and credit to the reporter who you know came up with this story in the aftermath kind of of the varsity blues situation regarding uh it was a house in needham it belonged to the fencing coach at harvard and he had to commute all the way to cambridge and lo and behold there was this wealthy businessman who wanted to get his two sons into harvard and and he said oh i hate the fact that the guy's going to commute all the way from needham to cambridge even though we all know it's off peak maybe 20 minutes 25 minutes tops but anyhow um not only has this case made itself into the courtroom, but the Boston Globe reporter was compelled to uh, testify in this. Now, they seem to be holding strong that the two men became friends. Uh, it was a loan that was later paid back. But I'm curious your thoughts of where the case stands out now. I also just want to point out to listeners that when uh, the businessman was contacted by the Globe reporter, I believe the reporter testified he agreed to meet with the reporter, which was a mistake. I think they met at Logan Airport or Hotel Airport. But, um, but there, there it is now, fast forward, and there's the reporter in court answering questions about his back and forth and the original story that really sparked this case. Yes, um, the defendants are sticking to their story that uh, um, they were friends, 
that the wealthy businessman was just trying to help out this fencing coach. Um, and he knew he paid too much for the house, but he considered it almost in the form of a loan so he could get some money and, you know, he knew he'd get paid back. Well, that's nice, but I am, I would be pretty certain that there's no documentation. There's no promissory note. There's no mortgage. There's no nothing which would, in the conventional manner, evidence that there was a um, loan situation with one person borrowing money from another. Um, I'm guessing that documentation does not exist. Now, as to, and I don't think the jury's going to buy it. I just don't think the jury's going to buy that this um, business person uh, looks at the coach's house, which is, I believe, worth like 400000 and buys it for 965000 I mean, that's preposterous. I mean, the only thing you can think there is that that's payola, that that's money that's being hidden in the transaction to buy a house um, as an inducement for the coach to get the kid into uh, Harvard and put him on the fencing team. Part of the defense also is, I guess, that both of the kids that ultimately did get into Harvard were actually good fencers. They were on the t fencing team for four years, both of them, and they were excellent. So it's not like the situation with Olivia Jade, where she was promoted to be on the rowing team, and she'd never even been in a dinghy, let alone a, a racing skull. That was a total fraud. These two kids were actually fencers, and they were actually good, and they actually succeeded. And I think there's corroborating testimony that they didn't need any help getting in through kickbacks and payola and bribes, that they were worthy applicants, worthy of admission on their own merits. So the fact that they were qualified does help the defense. It's not like my kid has never picked up any fencing equipment, but let's, let's blow this past the admissions committee that this kid's going to be on the fencing team and then he'll never go to the fencing practices, but he'll be at Harvard. Now, as far as this um, journalist goes, he was subpoenaed. Uh, the Boston Globe um, moved to quash the subpoena, saying that you know he's a journalist and he's got integrity and he's can be. He doesn't have to do this. The judge found no. It, under normal circumstances, if a journalist, a reporter, a writer uh, for a news publication is called to the stand saying. Where did you learn this information? Tell right. us your source. That's clearly protected. That's exactly like the Jim Terracani situation where he refused to divulge who had given him the tape during the uh, Buddy Cianci trial. He is a journalist who refused to give up his source for a period of time. This case was different because the journalist interviewed the business person. So there was no anonymity there was no attempt to protect a source. The journalist was basically asked, you did this interview. You asked this, he said that. You asked him the next question, he answered this way. Everything that you wrote up in the paper, was that a true recitation of your interview, your questions and his answers? Answer, yes. So in that case, he was not looking to protect a source or you know any First Amendment rights. So... It's unusual that a journalist could be compelled to testify 
But in this situation, I think the judge made the right decision saying, you know, there's none of the typical uh, news privileges that reporters and the like have vis-a-vis being compelled to divulge information and sources. Um, Tim Dodd, it's safe to say um, it, it sounds like the defense is pretty, pretty short on the they, they're going to must feel that they have enough to prove a not guilty that the kids were qualified to get in and that the two men maybe just happen to be friends. Yeah, the kids were qualified. The guys were friends. Yeah. But it's the money that yeah. went, that flowed in the direction of the fencing coast. I, I believe the total um, money that moved from the businessman to the coach and one of his um, other colleagues was like a million and a half dollars. I mean, that's qu- quite a friendship. Yes. Now, the, the defense is also bringing out the fact that the um, fencing coach has paid the money back. Well, that's nice. How long did it take? What were the terms? Was there a note? Was there a mortgage? You know, did he start scrambling to pay this thing back after he got indicted? I mean, we don't know all that, and we don't know how much the jury is learning about all that. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, what are the circumstances that uh, the, the court decides that a juvenile, uh, this Warren case, where someone is in fact a minor uh, juvenile, but they're going to be tried as an adult? Yeah, it doesn't happen all that frequently. We have seen yeah. it in the past. Um, anytime a juvenile is charged with a criminal offense, and in this case, a felony. In this case, it was murder, so that's a capital case. Um, the case starts out in the family court, and it's presumed that that's the uh, court of first jurisdiction for minors for anything of a criminal nature. When the prosecution, the attorney general's department, feels that the, the, the juvenile should be tried as an adult, there has to be an evidentiary hearing in the family court um, and there's got to be a determination. The state has to prove um, to the court that there's a high probability that um, the juvenile in this in the particular case did in fact commit the offense. There's also got to be an analysis of the juvenile's um, record um, as a juvenile criminal contacts or the juvenile's treatment history or the heinousness or premeditated nature of the crime. So all of those things can be considered. And the, the statute that provides for this says that the judge can waive the juvenile out of the family court so that the juvenile will now be tried as an adult if it is in the best interests of society or the protection of the public and it, it necessitates a waiver of jurisdiction. So it's a pretty high standard, you know, which is why you don't see it happening all that often. Right. And typically, you know, you don't get a nine-year-old getting waived to, to superior court. It's typically somebody who might be 16 or 17, um, close to adulthood, but not there, but committing very adult-like crimes like rape, murder, things of that nature. Tim Dodd, finally, um, what, what is your thought? Now, granted, there's several legal challenges with uh, former President uh, Trump, but right now, 
based on the tea leaves, Tim Dodd, does this seem to be that the DOJ is moving towards some kind of an indictment? Oh, absolutely. Sure. They're going to oh. indict him. They're, yeah. they're going to indict him whether they know they have a provable case or not. He's going to get indicted. Um, mm-hmm. It's as much, um, I think, a political decision um, by the DOJ as a legal decision as to whether or not Donald Trump violated any federal statutes. Um, again, as we say all the time, you can you can indict anyone, you can sue right. anyone, but that's sure. very different than proving the elements that are contained in your complaint. But I, I think this DOJ is bound and determined to indict Donald Trump for something to keep him on the ropes, if nothing more or if nothing yeah. less. And candidly, he might have committed the offenses that keep getting um, uh, discussed in the mainstream media. Maybe yep. he did these things, maybe he didn't. But even if it's likely that he would not get convicted, I think he's going to get indicted. I think he's going to get charged. I think they, um, the powers that be in this administration want Donald Trump on the ropes. They don't want him to get any traction with this candidacy. Um, it doesn't look like that's happening anyways. That's a separate topic. But I think yeah. the DOJ will do their best to um, indict him for something. And I think it will happen very soon. Hmm. Folks, again, he's our legal analyst. It is attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. And we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 580-1852, Limitless Outdoors. Dream, build, enjoy. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. As I said, it's Thursday. Folks, this situation, again, I, I want to touch on this situation with the Rhode Island State House is just so preposterous because now the ACLU is involved. And as our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, explains, so now they feel they've got a good case. They like the idea of this case. They like this is now they are turning this into a freedom of speech. The McKee people, by trying to evict them instead of just the McKee people. Listen, I get it. They have mishandled this. They have bungled it from their terminology to making promises they couldn't keep, saying we have this warming center. But the people there at the State House have now flipped this into it's it's no longer going to be about here's someone and they're homeless and they don't have a place to lay their head and stay the night in the bad weather. Here. Now they're turning it into, oh, no, that's a protest that they're doing. And they have the right to protest. And that's 
if you try to get them out of there in the shanty villages now with the tents if you try to get them out of there now you're infringing on their freedom of speech and all they have to do is keep all these tents set up now i have been up there i have video on the website tobetro.com i went up there last friday night there was there was no one home so to speak um now how many people are really living there they have some of them they're, they're actually not that big they're just single person tents they do have double person tents they have tents that could um hold four people that can hold eight people but a number of them you just see several tents there and they're dark colored and you can't is there someone inside is there someone not inside they lock you can lock the tent so what governor mckee unwittingly has done is as as attorney dodd I, I don't think they're going anywhere the aclu they like the sound of this case the government is trying to silence the opposition lat it would and, and governor mckee it's either him or people he relies on on his staff it was last fall last november when the co-op collaborative the people running for office led by a state senator they were the ones that marched up there and the initial reaction i remember it i covered it from the state police capitol police was no you can't can't sleep out here we have an ordinance against it and the individual was a state senator was what do you mean i can't i'm a state senator you're denying and then they made a phone call they made them wait a little bit and and it was a decent amount of you know 30 minutes maybe even 45 minutes and then they came back and said okay you can sleep here well that was that was a mistake so that was either governor mckee or was the head of the rhode island state police or the head of the capitol somebody high up could have been the governor's chief of staff. I don't know. Someone made the wrong call and thought, all right, we're going to appease them and we're going to allow them to do their protest and sleep overnight here. In the past, as I've to talked about, you, it was, you were not allowed to sleep overnight. And as a matter of fact, that's still an ordinance on the books. But the problem is because they allowed it last fall, through the winter and then because governor mckee didn't want to cause candidate mckee didn't want to cause any problems during the course of the campaign they returned i'm not sure some of them even left and the next thing you know now that now they're not going you now you want them to leave now the election's over now you're realizing that there's there's a squalor that there is there you know human waste that there's drug paraphernalia, that there is a stench, um, how unseemly it looks. And now, you know, and Governor McKee has to deal with that every single day now. And he hasn't even been sworn in yet when he enters the state house. Now, he doesn't have to go right through them because then there's the side door that he can use. But th this is another, I, it is, it's a self-inflicted wound. And whoever was supposed to be in charge of finding even just temporary. This should have all been handled below the radar. But no, the McKee people came out and they grandstand and the big eviction notices and you got to be out of here in 48 hours and here's some free coffee as if that was going to matter. Those, now it's a cause. The, the homeless advocates, now the ACLU was involved. Now it's a cause. Now you're denying them their rights. Now you're denying them 
their freedom of speech, their right to protest. Now he's got a problem because now they're going to be there for a while. Now they're going to be there for a while. This is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, and, and, and many of these organizations and groups, it may not seem a big deal to you. It might not seem like a big deal to me. To them, it's a huge deal to win this type of battle, to pit themselves as David versus Goliath and win this type of battle or any type of battle. And that's what he has wandered into. So, listen, it, it, it looks terrible because it is terrible. And as we've talked about, that's the last place you would camp out is on the stone steps and plaza in front of the State House where it's windy on Smith Street. Granted, there is a safety element there because there's cameras everywhere and the state police are there and the Capitol Police are there. But doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. All right, folks, it's Thursday. Much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service, right, Jim? Yes. And 24 for right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil. Yes, we have budget plans. We, have, uh, we also take state, uh, we take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and town's... Uh, community action groups we've participated with that for 20 years we're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s I remain healthy stop it and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland you can also look for on facebook but call her 401 305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ice honey maple syrup beef fresh gum over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices plus 
hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie. 401-305-3585. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. 